welcome to It's Lit, where all things literary live at the root. I'm Danielle Belton, The Roots Editor-in-Chief, here with the Managing Editor of The Glow Up, Maisha Kai. Hi. <laughs> Today, we have such a wonderful guest, the bright and savvy and one and only Tiffany Aliche, aka The Budgetista. Tiffany is an award-winning personal finance educator and the author of several popular personal finance books, including The One Week Budget, How to Get Out of Debt, and the Live Richer Challenge series. Her latest book is called Get Good With Money, 10 Simple Steps to Becoming Financially Whole. And we are so excited to get to talk to her about it. I mean, excited for me was, yeah, I needed this conversation because, you know, I think... I know I did. Listen, look, a lot of us look real together on the outside. (laughs) We present well. But, you know, I do think that there's this fundamental education that maybe a lot of us don't get about money. And, and, and Tiffany, you know, as she has shared her own story and she shares here, and this is, we should add, this is also her first major book deal. So she's, she's produced everything else independently. And this is her first to be published by a major publisher. And it's such a great book and it's so down to earth. It's so black girl savvy and it really feels like she wrote this for us. And, and she really takes a lot of the shame out of not knowing what the hell you're doing with your money. Yes. <laughs> and I have yes. to say, I needed it because I was like, you know, when you've made certain mistakes in your life that you're trying to repair, and you know, uh, I'm happy to say for myself, I'm repairing them. But at the same time, it's like, oh, and then what? <laughs> you know, then what comes next? And she just makes it so digestible. And not to mention the fact, she's just such a joy to talk to. This is like one of my favorite conversations. Oh, definitely. Ever. And you know, I need to hear it as well. I mean, I felt like, the only advice I got about money growing up was like, just don't spend it. Like right. that, that was my parents' answer to everything. Like, don't spend money. And we know how you? that worked out, right? Why are you buying things? I don't understand. I'm just like, yeah. Well, I don't see any reason to keep Tiffany from our listeners any longer. So let's get to the interview. Yes, yeah, so let's do it. Tiffany. Hi, how are you? I am awesome. Welcome to It's Lit. Yes, it's lit indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is on fire. (laughs) We are very excited to have you with us today and, you know, to have what we think is a very necessary conversation. But to kick things off, since It's Lit is a podcast about Black books, Black writers, Black thought leaders, we always start our episodes by asking each of our guests to name at least one book that has blown their minds. (laughs) It's like made you rethink what a book could be. What was that book or books for you? Um, That book for sure was Their Eyes Were Watching God Mm. by Zora Neale Hurston. Because I was always an avid reader as a kid. But when I read that book, it was like, the way she writes, it's poetic, but it's prose. I just remember thinking... How is she doing this? You know, it was just the the language is so beautiful. It's like it's like she writes in cursive. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to say it. Oh, it was I love just that. it's just yeah, she's just like her. That definitely was a book that I remember reading and falling into and feeling like I lived, you know, with Janie and 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 teacup and I just yeah. I just remember like one of my favorite lines is um put me down easy teacup. I believe she said I'm a cracked mm. plate. Mm. Oh, yeah. And like, how visual is that? Like, you know, she felt so fragile. You know, like your 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 favorite plate is cracked, and you know, just one hit and it's done. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she felt that way, yeah. So I know I'm rambling, but like, I love that book. 
<laughs> we don't blame you. <laughs> it's that was an amazing beautifully book. described. Beautifully yes. described. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tiffany, your latest book, Get Good with Money: Ten Simple Tips to Becoming Financially Whole, is very, very timely. I know I yes. needed to read it. Yes. <laughs> Especially given <laughs> the economic crisis so many people have been experiencing in the past Especially year. Especially women. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Women have been mm-hmm. heavily impacted by this pandemic. And given typical publishing timelines, we're assuming this project began pre-pandemic. Not really. Really? I mean, that, what? I See, here's the thing. I have always self-published because I'm a loner. I'm like, I could do this, girl. I don't need you. Oh, I love um, this. But, <laughs> and I have, I literally have like five other books. I have a children's book I self-published. So I didn't know what timelines were. It wasn't until I was done and my friends were like, wait, but you... But you just signed in January, <laughs> you know? And so, like, it was, it happened just as the pandemic was unfolding. Ah. Um, I Yeah, I got, like, signed, I think, in, like, January and started writing, like, a month or two after that. Wow. And it just, like, flew. I mean, they gave me maybe, like, four or five months to finish the book, I, which I thought was normal. So people <laughs> were like, Nasus. <laughs> but what I will say is that, because I, like I said, I'd never been through the publishing process and I'd, I, you know, I had to do my proposal and I didn't know what was normal as far as like, you know, how many people are interested. And so my, my book agent, she was like, we have nine people interested. I'm like, is that, is that good? She's like, four is good. I'm going to say that's excellent, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and then all nine came to the table. Oh, wow. Like it wasn't like, I met with all nine and all nine were like, yes. I absolutely want this book. And they all bid for it almost all to the end. Oh, wow. And Heather was like, in my 20-something, 30 years of, of <laughs> you know, of being um, in the business, I have not seen this. And I was just like, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, pressure. that's amazing. <laughs> it is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So to be a Black girl getting like a big yes. book deal, because Penguin Random House is the largest. I mean, now that they've merged they're the largest um, book publisher, I think, even in the world. Mm-hmm. And so to be there and um, not just there, but I mean, I've, I've heard horror stories where people are like, I, I haven't heard from my publisher since I signed. <laughs> That's not me. They're emailing me like four or five times a day. We meet every week. So it's just been an amazing experience, especially to show up the way I look, how I present. I mean, my hair is natural. My skin is chocolate. <laughs> like, you know, I don't sound like your average whomever, I don't, you know, and I'm in a fi- in the finance space as a sister, showing up as a sister. It's just been, yeah, it's just been nothing short of amazing. Well, I mean, it is it is amazing, but I don't think it's surprising because, you know, you clearly know your stuff. In fact, you were, you know, fun fact, you may remember this, that you were one of the earliest interviews on the vertical that Danielle and I helped co-create and that I manage now at The Root, which is The Glow Up. And that's a, you know, that's a vertical that is largely, you know, we focus on Black women's empowerment. And I know women are a huge part of your platform. Black women are a huge part of your platform. And you've helped more than 1 million become more financially successful and stable and you know, that's, that's doubled since, since we did that interview. I mean, obviously you're giving advice anybody could use, but did your, did you strategically build this platform for and about and on the strength of black women or, or did that kind of, you know, evolve? Was that a strategic focus? It evolved. So in the beginning, like so many people, when they started business, I was just like, I'm for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just starting. I was just like, I don't know. It's it's money, you know? So like whoever wants to listen. And then I realized who was listening were women that look like me. And then, so it probably took, I want to say the first nine months to go from, I'm from everybody to, oh, I'm speaking 
directly to black women because that's who's listening. And they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like you look like me, you sound like me, like my cousin is like you. I love depending on the age of the woman, because I'm 41. Depending on the age of the woman is how she connects. She's like the young girls would be like, oh, that is Auntie Tiff. Okay, you know, <laughs> like my age made to be like, that's my sister or my cousin, you know, or mm-hmm. so I just love that that there's this familiar sense, you know, because first one, I am one of five girls. I have grown up with sisters. I remember when I used to get into arguments with my friends when I was younger, I'd be like, girl, I was born with friends. <laughs> <laughs> don't try me. I go home and play with all my sisters. <laughs> right. I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been like just inundated with feminine energy, black girl energy yeah. my whole life. And so I see my audience, dream catchers, that's what I call my audience. I see them as an extension of my sisters, as an extension of Karen, the oldest, I'm second, then Tracy, then Carol, then Lisa, you know. And so it feels so good because I don't have to code switch. I can show up exactly as myself. The best compliment I get when someone meets me in person, like at Whole Foods or wherever, as they're like, girl. And I'm like, girl. And they're like, girl. <laughs> and it just means that like, yo, you are you. The yeah. way you do your lives, it, it's you. The way you write, the way you sound, there's no switching. And I, I always say this as a teacher, that as my role as a teacher, because I used to actually be a school teacher, so I don't turn any student away. So anyone is welcome to come, but know that I'm speaking directly to this audience. And as long as you don't, like in the book, I say sis multiple times. Yes. You know? Yes, you do. Because that's who I'm speaking to. And I, especially to the men, I'm like, look, you're a guest of a guest, so you eat last. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell the men, like, you can come, but keep it real cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't turn anyone away, but I always make it very, very clear that I'm speaking directly to to Black women because we need to be spoken to. We have been left out of this important conversation for far too long. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's worth noting that we are having this conversation just after Women's Equal Pay Day. And we already know that's a full four months of some change before Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And, you know, one of the really disturbing statistics that came out at the top of this year was that Black and brown women have suffered the highest job losses amid the pandemic, as you referred to earlier. And given that tremendous instability and the fear that so many of us, you know, our sisters, our cousins, our aunties, et cetera, are feeling right now, how are you hoping that this book will help guide that core audience through this time? Well, I think like literally in the dedication, I dedicate it to my dream catchers, which I said are y'all, my audience. And I tell, I say in the dedication, this is my love letter to you. Mm-hmm. Because I want it to be the lantern that you hold as you walk through your journey. Because what's missing in this space is empathy, is kindness, and honestly, integrity. And so I wanted to provide a step-by-step guiding tool that acknowledges where you are without judgment and helps to take you to where you want to be without judgment. I think we are deserving of that. And I I understand now why Penguin rushed me. I didn't realize that that it was a rush because this is what's needed now. I know what it feels like to lose everything. So during during the 2008 recession, I'd lost literally everything. Um, Long-term relationship. I lost my house. I had bought a condo in my 20s. I was a victim of a credit card scam that left me $35,000 in debt. I just got my master's in education, so I had fifty thousand dollars in debt there, and my condo was two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred twenty, so nearly three hundred thousand dollars in debt. 
and then no job because my school closed due to the recession. And it was it was so traumatic that I didn't even know I was still experiencing trauma years later because I refused to invest. At one point, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars in a savings account. And I know better. But I was it was like your grandmama who went through the depression yes. and she kept her money under the mattress. I was that. And so I thought to myself, what if I had had a tool that walked me through step by step, gingerly, kind, in a, in a way that's kind, in a way that makes sense. There's no jargon that gives me a chance to check for understanding. There's homework. There are there there are things for you to fill out. And I also bring along other experts along the way because if I know anything about us as people, as folk, that that we learn from other people. It's it, to me, it's important that we we don't look for one person mm. to be the guru. I don't believe in that. I'm like, I'm your financial girlfriend and I will bring other friends along because I don't know all things. And I think it's important to like to be okay with admitting that and saying, but my homegirl Tony, she's my she's my um and everybody yes. in there is brown, which I love. It's so cool. Yes. There are gonna be people who read that who are not gonna realize that. I, I was like mm-hmm. right away. Oh, you I was Kevin? like, I need a financial <laughs> expert. Look at all these people that she's like <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's intentional because too many people hold things to themselves because they feel like Mm. if they share, they lose. But to me, giving activates abundance. So I want to introduce you to the amazing people that help make me amazing. So that's intentional, too. So, yes, this book is a is a is a love letter. It is a roadmap. It is the prerequisite to the rest of your financial life. It is it will help to create the financial foundation you need. That's what financial wholeness is, the, the 10 steps to financial wholeness. That that's what it is. It is the foundation for the rest of your financial life. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Speaking of So Good, which this book is... It's a departure from the types of more traditional literature, you know, we usually cover on its lip, but it's really important to note that from our perspective, the style in which you write this is as significant as information you're sharing because it's part memoir, part guide, and part self-help book. You're clearly a reader, but every financial expert isn't automatically a great writer. Did that come Mm -hmm. naturally to you? Yeah, you know, surprisingly, I I didn't think about it. Like I, at the end of the day, I don't know that I'm, I don't consider myself a writer. I consider myself a teacher. Mm, mm-hmm. And so what I am damn good at is teaching. And so I told myself I wasn't going to overthink the writing. Although actually I enjoy writing because I enjoy reading. That I said, if I, I was very clear with myself, with my expectations of myself of how I wanted this book to teach. And so I made sure that the writing was in alignment with how I felt like you reading. I really try to put myself in the shoes of 
of the reader. I gave this book to a friend of mine who's a teacher. And she said, you could tell a teacher wrote this book. <laughs> and I said, why? She was like, girl, mm-hmm. student first. She was like, the way it's even laid out. And it was. I, we, I fought for all those things. Like, no, the layout. This is not nobody's novel. We need breaks. We need something. We need <laughs> little lessons, it's little a homework, just a little, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, little vignettes. We need a, we need a, we need some great shading. Like we need you to who's out here and go back to work. So, I cried at one point. I, I was like, <laughs> I was. <laughs> no, but I knew that. And so here's the thing about um, a good teacher can tell the areas of her lesson where students going to get mm-hmm. stuck and will adjust. Because she could tell you, you know, you're, little, you're shifting around in your seat. A great teacher doesn't need you to be in the room to tell when that's going to happen. And so after 10 plus years of teaching in the classroom and another 10 plus years of teaching in like real life, you know, I could read sections because I would read it out loud. I could read sections and say, my sister's going <laughs> to get tripped up here. Let me re-explain. Let me shift let me inject a little, literally this one section I read, I said, this feels a little overwhelming. So I literally created a section called mm. an injection of hope because I knew right then it was going to be like the retirement section where it's going to feel heavy. Like right. how I'm going to do all this. I said, Mm-mm, sis, stay on track. Let me inject this little shaded area of hope to get you to gather so you can move forward. And so, no, I mean, I, I don't know, like I said, I consider myself some amazing writer, but I just felt like if I were able to take what was in my heart and my head and I could put it down on paper, then I could do so. But one thing I do know is because I've been a voracious Mm -hmm. reader my whole life, that aids in being able to write well. You know, like I love reading. I mean, I read romance novels. I read science fiction. You know, I read how to. I love when when people have like a way with words. Um, I'm Nigerian, Igbo, and um, it's a very poetic language. Things are not just said. They're said in a way like my father might say something like I might be like, oh, you know, I don't know. Instead of saying I'm, I'm overreacting, he'll say, you know, fear makes the wolf bigger than it is. So that's the, that's what I grew up with. So I just injected all of that loveliness into this book. Even though it's a money book, I didn't want it to feel heavy, like some sort of textbook. Well, it doesn't at all. And, and you know, you are definitely a teacher. You are, I think you're definitely a writer as well. But you have also successfully lobbied to make financial education mandatory in middle schools in your native mm-hmm. New Jersey. And it's called the Budget Nista Law, you know, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love that. But, you know, I really think that so many of us, like I think about myself, I think about my own trauma around money. And I'm like, you know, no matter what background that we're from, a lot of us miss that kind of vital education growing up. Are there any plans to continue lobbying to bring the Budget Nista Law nationwide? Well, the next plan for me is to uh, originally the the bill was written from kindergarten through middle school because New Jersey already had something for high school, okay. but there was a little pushback. So my friend who's an assembly woman who is the one who helped make the law, the law, she was like, OK, let's drop the elementary school part for now. Let's let's successfully make sure the middle school part is is put into action and then go back for it, because I wanted that when you stepped into school that all the way through 12th grade, you're getting money every year. So it's not the first time you hear about credit is like when you're an 18 years old and signing up for a credit card. Mm-hmm. And so I have definitely spoken to people in other states because the way federal laws pass is way different than the way, you know, state laws are passed. So certainly from state to state, I have met lawmakers in other states who are like, we're using the language of this bill to bring this to our state. So that is definitely happening. Um, I haven't figured out the federal law one. I'm like, well, hopefully with new administration, you know, yeah, there, there are true. 
new possibilities. But there's other laws that I'm working on. Angela and I, because I was um, a victim of my home being underappraised because of the color of my skin. And I live in Newark, which is blackity black. Yes. Think Oakland, think Dade County, Brick City, stand up. Um, <laughs> and I knew as soon as he walked in, that's what that was going to happen. And sometimes you even doubt yourself, but as luck would have it, a writer from the New York Times had reached out to me about the appraisal process and how it's notoriously racist. Mm-hmm. And I said, I actually have a story for you. And she said, well, can I see your appraisal? And I said, sure. And she said, because we're going to give it to our independent New York Times appraisal. I was like, that's right. Sent it in. And he was like, wait, I thought you said your house was newly renovated. I was like, we ain't even been here five months. We went every hinge on every doorknob and every doorknob is brand new. That's how new the renovation was. And he was like, well, he has it here that this house has wear and tear. <gasps> wow. And he he has it here that the other comparables to this house are broken down properties, not properties that have been renovated like your house. I said, mm-hmm. how was that accidental? It's not. So she and I are actually working on appraisal law. We've The bill is written and we're just waiting for it to be seen and voted on to make that appraisal process one that if you decide to be racist, you can lose your license. Mm. And it educates the the homeowner because the appraiser would be, it would be mandatory for the appraiser to give you a checklist of what to expect. And if you feel like your your home has been underpraised, you know, how, like what, what remedy, you know, there is like, where do you call? Cause I had no idea. Where do you call? Who do you reach out to? So that way the appraiser knows that they, he's giving the homeowner the education they need to bury them. If they decide to come up in here and say, my house is worth less because I'm black. And so I, financial education across the board really is my passion because it is a tool that's used in this country and beyond to suppress us. Yes. Because if you if every if you make less and then everything you own is worth less, how, how do you get ahead? But then these bootstraps that they speak of. Mm-hmm. And so for me, get good with money is the foundational tool to do the best you can with what you have. And then what I do out in the world with the laws and things like that are to help even the playing field so that your tools are maximized even further. I love it. Oh, that is amazing. I love the whole thing. Yeah. I'll be busy. <laughs> Listen, I love the whole thing. You changed the world, girl. You're changing the world. I know, you know, my my boyfriend's from Newark, so I was like, yes, Brick City. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. You know, I think we all know that amid the pandemic, people's relationship to money has changed dramatically. A lot of us have been overspending the self-soothe. I know I'm like the biggest, I'm terrible at this. (laughs) And it seems like suddenly everyone's a financial expert with advice on how to spend our stimulus checks or start a quarantine business. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on so-called LLC Twitter <laughs> and any advice on what to avoid when everyone has an opinion about money? Yeah. So I always say this, that first things first, you have to make sure that you are healthy and safe. Meaning if you're getting your $1,400 do you have enough food in the house? You know, is your rent paid so you know you don't get evicted? Even though there's a there's an eviction moratorium, still some of these landlords out here, you know, because they're struggling as well. Some of them, and some of them, quite honestly, don't care. So you should use that fourteen hundred dollars to take care of your basic needs first. If there's money left over, great. Are you behind on any bills that are necessary? If you're not behind on any bills and you don't have this this necessity for for food, shelter, clothing, water, great. Do you have an emergency fund? If not, use that money to fund the emergency fund. You have an emergency fund, great. Then you can potentially say, I might want to start to pay down a little bit of debt. 
You know, I wouldn't go super crazy with paying down debt because having an emergency fund right now is more important than paying down debt because we see like you need cash on hand. Mm -hmm. If you don't have any debt, great. Then, then, and only then, if you could check those boxes, you know, I don't need any food. I'm not behind on any bills. You know, I have my emergency fund. I don't have any debt. Then you might want to consider investing that money. Or using it, like, you know, potentially you could use it to, I wouldn't say start an LLC, but at least to test out maybe an idea you might have for a business. But that's after you check off every single other box. Because really, if you jump to this side of the equation first and it doesn't work, how are you going to support yourself later? You, For me, it's always safety first. Put on your safety vest first, you know, because those things are there for when your foundation is safe. In a world of everyone is teaching you how to trade and buy GameStop and options. And I'm over here like budget, save, credit, debt. I I realized the other day, I was like, Tiffany, you know, you taught preschool for 10 years. You're still teaching preschool. (laughs) You are still teaching the fundamentals of what you need to build the rest of your life. And so that's what I adhere to. I know it's not as sexy, but if you had the fundamentals, like if I could teach you how to read and write at four, Sis, wherever you go in life, you'll be fine <laughs> because they can't hide nothing from you because you could pick up a book and figure out anything if you can read and write. My mother it's says the that. Same thing, right? <laughs> it's the same thing with financial fundamentals, right? Like I want you to start with the financial fundamentals. That's what Get Good With Money is all about because if I can give you that, then when it's time for you to invest and trade stocks and options, all those other things, you want to invest in real estate, you want to start a business, you can do all those things knowing that you have this rock solid foundation that can't be shaken, that even if those things don't work out, you still can come back to your foundation. And that's what I'm wanting for for all the queens out there, that I want you to have a strong foundation. So no matter where you go in life, no matter what financial house you build, that I know that you are rock solid and I know that your family is rock solid. I felt the love in that Amazing. I felt the love. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us on It's Lit. You're welcome. Can I share where people can get, get good with money? Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, the name of the book is the name of the site. You can go to get goodwithmoney.com and what's so great is I identify black bookstores. I, I, I rotate them out. Right now, depending when you listen to this, but right now, Source of Knowledge Books in Newark, New Jersey. You know, I had to rep for the hometown. (laughs) I've had mahogany books up there. You know, we all love mahogany. Mm -hmm. That is like the bookstore that everyone goes to. President Obama Mm -hmm. did his book launch there, and I'm going to be doing my book launch there. And I'm at The Budget Nista on every platform. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, The Budget Nista. Follow, 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 follow. Exactly. (laughs) Everyone follow the Budgetista. And read this book because it's incredible. It's really an incredible book that we all need no matter where you are in your financial life right now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Get good with money. (laughs) Thank you, Tiffany. You're welcome. The Root Presents It's Lit is produced by myself, Maisha Kai, and Michaela Heck. Our sound engineer is Ryan Allen. If you like the show and you want to help us out, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you have any thoughts or feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Black Snob or on Instagram at Belton Danielle. And you can find me at Maisha on Twitter. That's M-A-I-Y-S-H-A and at Maisha Kai on Instagram. 
And before we go, we always like to talk a little bit about what we're currently reading. Maisha, what are you reading these days? Well, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, shopping. I do shop regularly. And, and, you know, the fact that I handle beauty and fashion for the root gives me an excuse. But I was browsing the online racks at TJ Maxx not too long ago. I know this is like a crazy story. See, I'm shopping on a budget. And I came across the collected autobiographies of Maya Angelou. It's a beautiful hardcover, beautiful illustration. I had to have it. And as soon as I got it here, I had to start cracking into it. So we're talking... I mean, there's there's stuff in here I just didn't even know existed. And so I'm just kind of like wending my way back to the world of Maya, you know, reminding myself why she's why she's her and why she means so much to us. So that is what I'm doing slowly but surely. Not all, you know, just in little chunks, a little bit before bed. What are you reading? I am reading These Ghosts Are Family, a novel mm. by Maisie Card. This book was recommended by Robert Jones Jr. It's something that I should check out. And so I was just like, all right, let's do it. Um, It's a fascinating read about family secrets and mysteries and Jamaican culture. It's really fascinating. And so, yeah, like I've been trying to research all these fiction novels because I'm trying to make one myself. So it's important for me to know what's out there. Yeah, no small feet. I think people think that, like, you know, writing fiction is easier because you can just make up stuff. No. Just, and that's just not it's the case. Still, it's still got to make sense. <laughs> it's it really still got to make sense, people. <laughs> and that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. In the meantime, keep it lit. <laughs>